Hello, you are listening to the Mountain Man Survival Show. My name is Jeremiah Richards and I will be your host this evening. Tonight, we are going to be talking about owning a skill and what the difference between owning a skill and thinking you own a skill, if that makes sense. So let's dive right in. So over the past month, I have had the scouts over to my place, and we have made pharaoh rods. And I let the boys and their leaders turn their handles for their pharaoh rods on my lathe, and then we glued a pharaoh rod down into the handle. And if you don't know what a pharaoh rod is, it is a soft piece of steel that when you scrape it with a sharp object, it you actually shave pieces of metal off, and those pieces of metal get extremely hot. I think they get about 2,200 degrees, and they'll sit there, and they'll start um, stuff on fire. So that's what we were we were building, and then we were trying to teach the young men how to start a fire. Excuse me. And so in the very beginning, you know, we're out in my shop and I had from age 11 all the way up to age, I believe 15 was the oldest. There were two different groups of scouts and I was teaching this all at the same time. And uh, at the very beginning, I asked the boys, I was like, okay, boys, what does it take to build fire? You know, and I got I got answers all over. I mean, they they were just being stupid, I think, and throwing stuff out. Some kid says it took gasoline. Another kid told me it took a big lighter, and another kid told me uh, matches. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, well, you can build fire with all those. You're you're absolutely correct, but it takes three things to build a fire. You have to have fuel. You have to have oxygen and you have to have heat. So without one of those, you can't, you don't have fire, period. And so, you know, this is what I'm teaching them. And then I explained to them that, um, you know, I asked, I asked the boys right out, right in the very beginning, I held up a log And then I held up a little tiny piece of shaving off of a stick. And I says, all right, boys, which one of these would be easier to light on fire? And, you know, there's always the smart butt. The kid, oh, you can put gas on both of them and they'll both light on fire. Well, no, they actually won't. The gas will light on fire. And you might make the log smolder, but that's about all you're going to do. And so I explained to him, I'm like, look. It is easier to light smaller stuff than large stuff. You use the small stuff to get going hot and get the bigger stuff going. You know, I had to explain all that. So I let these boys, we turned, we turned their handles, got it going. And pretty soon I had like 15 scouts um, in my shop on the concrete floor trying to start fires with their ferro rods 
And, dude, it looked like a bunch of sparklers going off. And so I'm like, boys, boys, we're not having a contest to see who can spark their ferro rod the fastest. You know, and I explained to him, I says, look, it doesn't, you don't want quantity. You need quality. So I explained to him how you have to give it some pressure and you have to scrape it nice and, you know, you don't do it slow, but you, it's not a really fast thing. You want to put pressure and just kind of just scrape down it, you know, because you want to get a big shaving off. You want that good quality shaving to land in your tinder, and then it starts the fire. Well, you know, I explained this, and the kids are just going at it, you know. No one's paying attention to me. They're all just thinking they're going to be the first one to start a fire. Well, about 20 minutes go by, and uh, there's boys that have bloody knuckles from punching the concrete floor. And one of the kids gets up, and he says, Do you got a pair of gloves I can use? And I'm like, No, I don't. Sorry. I go, If you didn't bring gloves, there's no gloves here for you. And he's like, Well, my knuckles are bloody, and I'm tired of punching the floor. And I'm just like, Well... Figure something else out. I don't punch the floor when I do it. Why do you punch the floor? You know, I tried to explain there's a thousand different ways to skin a cat. Think of a better way. So, you know, he goes back for a second and I, and I start talking to one of the other leaders and I look over, and he's getting my welding gloves off my welder. And I'm like, dude, what are, you, what are you doing? I go, those are my expensive welding gloves. Those aren't punch-the-floor gloves. I go, put them back. You know, I says, if you needed gloves, you should have brought gloves. I'm not your mom, right? So the kids go back, and I, and I go over, and I'm like, hey, boys. And I have them all gathered around me. I says, look. I says, here you guys are all here punching the floor, you know, and they're throwing their their little tinder piles everywhere. And none of them, none of them made their own tinder pile. What they did is they went around and gathered up sawdust out from underneath the saws or the wood lathe. Or, you, you know what I mean? And uh, I was like, look, look at this. And I, I put the ferrule rod you know, it was in my left hand, and I put the striker was in my right hand, and then I got down on one knee, and I placed the, the striker on top of my foot, and but I had it in a fist, okay? And then I put that ferrule rod underneath it, and I pulled it towards myself, and the sparks went down onto the tinder pile. And the kids are like, oh, well, yeah, you know, and... You know, they, their brains shut off from right there. So now I have, you know, 15, 20 kids pulling their strikers as fast as they can up towards themselves. And they're just like, it won't light, it won't light. So I shut them all down again. I says, okay. I says, boys, explain to me what it takes to build a fire. And, you know, between all the kids and their leaders, they were able to tell me again. And I'm like, all right, if we have to have oxygen, we do not want our tinder pile smashed flat. It needs to be puffy. 
you know, puffy and fluffy so that the oxygen can get in there, you know, to start the fire. And I says, we need the heat. So we need the spark to land right in the tinder, not off to the side, not fly over top of it. You know, it needs to be in the middle of the tinder. <clears throat> and I go, we need heat. So we need a nice big shaving. And uh, one of the kids, he says, this is stupid. He goes, oh, we, I can't do this. This, this is impossible. So I grab my pocket knife and I walk over and I get a piece of scrap. I think it was like a scrap two by four. And uh, I sat there and I made some little curls off of it. Just some little nice thin little shavings. And I made myself a little pile. And I asked that kid for his ferro rod. And I walked over and I think I got it in like two scrapes. I had the fire going and I go, check it out, fire. And I says, here's your ferro rod back that doesn't work, that it just made fire. You know, and then I put the fire out. You know, I stomped on my little pile and put it out. And so <clears throat> the boys, they, they started thinking, right? And so they started making shavings and stuff like that. And uh, a few of the boys got it done. Well, the following week... They came over, and uh, all the boys and all their leaders, and I put them outside. They were all outside in my backyard, and I had a whole bunch of, you know, big logs, stumps, sitting around. And I had gone through, and I got some firewood out of my firewood pile, and I chopped up a bunch of kindling. So they all had, you know, a decent stick of pine to work with to build a fire. And so I gave him each a stick and I says, okay, I says, let's see who can start the first fire. I go, but we need a fire in the fire pit, you know, because we needed to get a big fire going. It was cold outside. And I says, so not only do you need to start your fire, but you need to transport your fire from your log to the fire pit. And the boys are like, oh my goodness. You know, it just, just boggles them. And so I sat there and I watched for a little while and I'm like, think this through. I go, before you start your fire, you want to know how to transport this. You want to be able to, you, you know what I mean? You don't want to get it lit and then start freaking out, trying to figure out how to do it. You want to figure out how you're going to do it to begin with. And so while they were all messing with that, you know, I got some kindling together and that kind of stuff. And I stacked up some wood into the fireplace in the fire pit and just waited and waited. And boys could get it lit. I had one kid, he got his little tinder pile lit and then he picked up his whole entire log and does this waddle over to the fire pit and dumps it into the fire pit. Well, everything separated and no more fire, you know? And I'm like, well, that didn't work. So, you know, I showed them all how to make the shavings. And I says, all right, boys, watch this. So I have them all gathered around me and I grab my pocket knife and I grab a stick and I make a feather stick. And if you don't know what that is, it's where you do shavings off of your stick, but you don't cut the shavings off. You leave it there. So at the bottom of your stick, you have all these, these curls, you know, or shavings off of the end, but it's still connected to the stick. 
So then I grabbed my ferro rod and I actually just lit the feather stick. You know, I just put it right into the feather stick. It lit up and I picked it up and I'm like, look, everybody, I'm holding fire. And I walked over and I put it underneath the kindling and I started the fire. Okay. And so now the boys, they all have this whole new, you know, mind blown type deal. Right. And so they're, they're practicing and a few kids got their fire going and they're like, great, we got it going. Now what do we do? And I go, why don't you guys that have got it going, go around and help the ones that haven't got it going. And I've got leaders out there, you know, full-grown men out there trying to start these fires. And, you know, people just assume that it is just so easy, you know. And I think it's the the mentality of, oh, you know, this is, I could build a fire with a lighter. I could build a fire with matches, you know, and this is, you know, just, just one more thing. You know, it's no big deal. But believe it or not, it is a skill. It is a skill and you have to have the right mindset. So... That was the second night. So then I tell the boys, you know, they were they were planning on coming over the following week. And I says, all right, guys. I says, we are going to meet over at my horse pasture. And we're going to go back in the back of the horse pasture. And uh, there's a whole bunch of trees. There's a bunch of dead wood. We're going to go back there. And we are going to build fires in the horse pasture. And we're going to cook dinner. And I says, now, boys... Oh, and I also told them that they had to boil a cup of water. So we were going to have a contest. So whoever could boil the first cup of water won. And there was two different ages of scouts and leaders. So I actually went and bought two fixed blade knives, one for the leader of the younger boys and one for the the winner of the older boys. You know, so each winner of the two age groups would get a, a new knife and I mean it was it was nothing special but it's still it's a new knife so and I told them I says so you need to bring your dinner you need to bring a metal cup that you could boil water with and bring your ferrule rods and your pocket knife and that kind of stuff and we're gonna be outside so it's gonna be cold dress prepared you know what i mean and i says boys we are going to be having a contest so take your ferrule rod and practice at home you don't go out on the back patio i says get an old cookie sheet i mean whatever just go home and practice i go but don't start your house on fire you know be smart about it think about it because that's the last thing i need is one of the kids to start their house on fire because they were practicing in the front room on the carpet you know but, uh, so, um, that night before they left this, this boy comes up to me and he says, Jeremiah, do you got a beanie I can, I can use? He goes, my ears are cold. And I'm just like, you knew that we were going to be outside tonight. I'm sorry you didn't bring a hat, but, um, you need to start thinking for yourself, you know? And he's like, well, I'm just going to go sit in your house. And I'm just like, no, you're not going to sit in my house. You know, there's this whole coronavirus thing and you're not, I'm sorry, you can't go into my house. I, you know, you can go home if you're cold, 
I mean, that's about all I can do for you at this point in time. You know, and, and the night went on, then we, we left. So a week goes by, and they come over this last Tuesday, and we met at the field, and Tuesday, it was a crappy weather day. It snowed, it rained, and it slushed all in the same day. And I think it was in that order. But it just, so everything was wet. You know, the ground was damp, all the woods wet out in the field, everything. Well, we're all meeting there at 6 o'clock. And uh, so I, you know, through the week, I decided what I was going to make. I was going to, I made, um, I got a chuck steak. I really like chuck steaks. I got a chuck steak, I got an onion and a thing of mushrooms, and I bought a package of orange rolls, like the cinnamon rolls, but they were orange. And so I got all that gathered up together, and I says, okay, how am I going to cook this? And uh, I always cook my steak right on the coals. It is the best way to cook a steak. By far the most delicious tender steak you'll ever have. You know, and then I got one of my little tiny cast irons for sautéing my onions and mushrooms. And then I got a little Dutch oven to put my orange rolls in to to cook, right? And then I have a one-gallon coffee pot, metal coffee pot, that I hang on a bipod over the fire, you know, so that I can heat up water, you know, just whatever. You can hang cast irons off this, you know, your Dutch ovens, whatever, off this bipod, but it works really good. So, and then on top of that, you know, for safety reasons, I had five five-gallon buckets full of water, you know, because we, we need to put out all the fires in the horse pasture. I don't want to start my field on fire. So we go over there, and I told a couple of the leaders to uh, bring shovels. I had a shovel. And what I wanted the boys to do is I wanted them to dig to, just to dig just a little hole, you know, just a little indentation and uh, build their fires in that. You know, and I'm trying to teach them, you know, you want to get you want to get it out of the wind. So if you have a little hole, you know, and, and usually unless it was a massive downpour, if you move, you know, like the first inch or two, you get that wet, damp dirt out of the way. And, you know, most of the time you can get down to fairly decent dry stuff because you don't want your sparks hitting damp dirt or mud because it just puts them out. You know what I mean? You don't want your tinder getting wet. So I told them all, I was just like, all right, boys, everybody dig a hole real quick. And I go, if you don't have a shovel, start gathering up your wood. You know, and I had to gather my wood up there too. So I've got all my wood gathered up. You know, I've got my pile, my holes dug, and I'm ready. And so I wasn't in the contest, you know, because I'm the one that's leading the whole thing. So um, I get my shavings all ready. I have, you know, I have my different sizes of wood to put on the fire until I got up to my bigger stuff. And one thing I like to do is I like to take my axe and I like to, it's like almost making shavings with the axe, but I'm not making shavings. I'm just hitting into the log and getting kind of a big chunk that comes off. I really like doing that. I usually get pieces that are probably about the size of my pinky, you know, off of that. Or you can, I can get them even smaller, like a number two pencil, you know, stuff like that. 
works really good. But since it had been raining the whole day, in order for me to get dry wood, you know, I found me a fairly decent size, you know, piece of wood. And it was about two and a half, three inches in diameter, you know, from if you went straight across, it was about two and a half to three inches. And so I took my axe and no, I didn't even use my axe. I just used my knife. Yeah, I had my my uh, full tang knife, my bushcrafting knife. And I put it up on the end and I got another stick and I pounded it through and split it. And I, I didn't use my axe for the simple reason is I just wanted it. I just, I wanted the boys to see that it was, everything was doable without the axe. The axe is a luxury, hands down. I mean, I don't go anywhere without one, but you know, you, you, technically you don't have to have one. It just makes life a lot nicer. So I split that log and then I split that piece in half. And so now I've got the inner part of that branch, you know, that big branch or the piece of wood. And so that's where I got the wood to do my shavings and, you know, my, my little curls to make my pile. And I, I, I gave myself a pile about the size of a, a racquetball to a tennis ball. You know, I like to have a decent little pile because then when you put that spark out there, you've got a bigger, a bigger target if that makes sense. And then once it does get going, you know, you have all that nice curls, that, that little tinder ball that you, you know, you put your other stuff on. So I get my fire going. I get my fire going extremely quick. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm building it up and building it up and the flames are getting bigger. And pretty soon I've got flames that are, you know, they're about a foot tall and that's perfect. I don't need anything bigger than that. You know, and I get the water boiling on and that kind of stuff. The water's on there heating up. And I start walking around. And there's kids literally just standing there, you know, just staring at their hole. And I'm like, dude, it's just a contest. Come on, get to it. And they're like, well, we don't know where to find dry wood. I mean, there, was, there were kids that was gathering up dead grass. And, you know, on a hot summer day dead grass dude that work stuff works great but not on a day where it's rained and snowed and slushed all day because everything is wet and here they are trying to to light wet stuff you know and i'm just like boys that ain't gonna work it's wet and they're like well it feels dry and i'm just like it trust me it's wet and so you know i'm walking around and trying to give advice and trying to get advice you know give advice and uh you know, I would go over and the boys would be struggling. I'd grab their ferro rod and I would give it a good, nice, hard scrape and I'd light their fire and I'd put it out. I'm like, look, it is doable. You know, you just have, you have to learn it. I'm like, you have to learn how to strike your ferro rod. And I kept telling them, this is, this is quality, not quantity on sparks. And there were leaders there that they, everybody was struggling. Everybody struggled. Um, there was one leader there that actually got his fire going and it took him an hour and a half. So me, I had, I had my fire going and I got my fire burned down to a nice bed of coals. And I'm just like, well, heck I'm a half hour into this. I'm hungry. I haven't eaten all day. I'm, I'm cooking. 
So literally, I threw my steak in the fire. I had my onions and mushrooms going. I got my orange rolls going, and it's all cooking. And I've got all these scouts and leaders just, oh, that smells so good. And I'm like, I know, right? Hurry up and cook your meals. You know, get your fires going. And, uh, you know, they just, they couldn't do it. And there was a leader one of the scout leaders, he's just like, he actually scraped his ferro rod so many times that he broke it in half. I mean, he just wore it out. And uh, he's frustrated, and I, I pull a Bic lighter out of my pack. You know, I had my uh, my Possibles pack on my leg, and I pull a Bic lighter out, and I toss him. I'm like, here, get your fire going so you can help me cook some meals. The poor dude still couldn't light a fire with the Bic lighter because he wasn't getting anything dry. He was trying to start damp wood, and that is a nightmare. You, you'll never, you know what I mean. You you can get it going, you can start it, but it's just oh my goodness! It's like you have to dry the wood out before it burns. And so, literally, he went through a whole freaking Bic lighter of gas, burned it up, never got the fire going. And uh, I ended up throwing his steak because I told him what I was doing, how I was cooking my meal. And he's like, well, I'll try it. So he brought a steak and I threw it in my cool coals and I cooked it up for him. But uh, the young man, they, I mean, it was getting where it was about getting time to go. And so I told him all, I'm like, hey, come, come put your, uh, your tinfoil dinners in my fire. Whatever you brought for dinner, bring it. And everybody had tinfoil dinners, all but that one other leader. And I actually think one leader, another leader brought a hot dog and a, and a hot dog roasting stick, you know. And uh, anyways, so so I think this is funny as I ate my steak covered in mushrooms and onions. And uh, I had sw- an orange rolls. I ate a whole container of orange rolls. Oh, it was so good. Had the icing that I put on there. You know, I put the little icing cup down in the Dutch oven after they got cooking after they were done cooking, so it would just, you know, melt the icing, and I dumped the icing. Oh, it was so good. And the boys were just drooling like crazy, and I'm like, get out of here. I lit my fire, you know. And my wife says I'm be- I'm too mean on them, but if if they're always catered to, how do they learn? You know what I mean? Sometimes it's better to teach someone how to fish than to give them a fish, right? I mean, we've been told that for a long time. It's in the Bible. But uh, so they all come over and they all throw their tin foil dinners in my, in, my, in my fire, and then they go back to trying to start their, their fires. And by this time, you know, they've asked me, can we work as a team? I'm like, dude, I don't care if all of you work together and build one fire. Just build a fire. You know, it, it, this is ridiculous. Just build the stinking fire. And so I'm sitting there and I can smell their tinfoil dinners. I mean, they're, they're cooking and they need to be flipped. And so I says, hey, boys, I'm not cooking these dinners here. You need to come take care of your dinners. You need to flip them. You need to check them, whatever you're going to do. So this boy comes over and uh, he goes for my spatula that I had to stir my uh, onions and mushrooms. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's just like, well, I need to borrow your spatula. And I says, no, that's my spatula for my onions and mushrooms. Now, granted, I'd already eaten. I was done eating. All my mushrooms and onions were gone. But I'm like, no, you don't get that. I brought that for me. You, This kid was like 15. I'm like, 
You knew what you were cooking. What did you bring to cook it with? What did you bring to flip it? You know, what did you do? And he goes, he looks at me and he goes, do you want me just to stick my hand down there in the fire and flip it? I'm like, well, if that's what you planned on doing, sure. I go, I wouldn't recommend it because then you'd get a really bad burn on your hand. You know, that wouldn't be the smartest thing in the world to do. But if that's what you want to do, you know, I ain't going to stop you. And he's like, well, what am I supposed to do? And I looked at him and I says, figure it out. Instead of complaining, think about it and figure it out. You know, and oh, and I brought a potato too. I wanted to show the boys that you can cook, a, you can bake a potato right in the coals. I didn't have any tin foil on it, nothing. You know, just the potato. I scrubbed it at the house, got the dirt off of it. This potato comes straight out of my garden um, this last fall. And literally, I just toss it right in the coals. You know, I, I have a bed of coals and I just put it there and I just turn it. Well, I have a, I always have a pair of leather gloves for grabbing the handles of my cast irons and that kind of stuff. Leather gloves are just, it's important when you're cooking over coals, over a fire. And so the boy, he goes off and he comes back a few minutes later and he's got two sticks and he uses them as chopsticks and he flips his dinner. And I'm like, dude, you're a genius. I'm like, good job. I go, that wasn't hard, was it? You know, and, and and now he's all, yeah, I'm so cool. And I, I was actually pretty proud of him because he figured it out. You know, I thought he was going to go grab one of the shovels or something, but he came over and he flipped it. And uh, then they all, you know, slowly all the boys came over and he was like, you can use my sticks. And this is how you, and he was showing them how to do it. And I was actually really proud of him for doing it, you know. But if I wouldn't have uh, told him no, to using the spatula, he wouldn't have figured that out and learned it. Now he knows that he can flip his tinfoil dinner with a set of sticks. Or he learned that he needs to bring something to take care of himself. So anyways, long story short, um, one leader got his fire going and was able to cook his meal. But nobody else did. Nobody did. Nobody else did. Me and the one other leader. And I had guys, leaders saying, I can do this. I do this at home. You know, I had one leader there that's just like, he goes, I did this this morning just to make sure that I could do it again. And he goes, I lit it right up. You know, but he's my neighbor and um, he has a pile of nice dry pine as well. You know, and he just went out and got a piece of pine and split it with his axe and, you know, you don't made the fire. And so I'm, I'm trying to tell him, I'm like, look, you might know how to do it. You might have read a book or watched a video. So you know the, the, the basics of it. But do you own that skill? Until you can do it on hot days, cold days, wet days, you know, do it in the dark, do it anytime. You don't truly own it. And so that's, that's what I want to talk to you guys about. 
You know, there is these uh, survival ninjas, let's call them. They're the guys that all they do is sit around and read books or watch YouTube videos. And now they are the master of the outdoors. But in all reality, there is a difference between book knowledge and field knowledge, if that makes sense. And I, I, hope, I hope you guys and girls out there or women, sorry ladies, I, I hope that you understand what I'm talking about. You know, I have actually gone out in my backyard. You know, I I, I bought a, tr- a book a couple years ago, and it's called The Trapper's Bible. And, you know what, there's all sorts of different traps in there. And I've kind of flung, you know, flipped through the pages and thought, well, this is a cool one, and this is a cool one. And I come across one that was a bow, where you make a bow, and it has a trip line that you string across the trail, and when it, it it when the animal hits the trip line, it releases the arrow, and then the arrow hits them. You know, you set it at the height for the game, the the size game that you're hunting for, and I mean it works. It would work great for deer, elk, you know, any you know, dogs, pigs, whatever. It would work really awesome. And I was like, man, that looks cool. So I went out in my backyard. And I built the bow trap. Okay, and what it is, is you build a bow and you hook it up to a frame and then you build yourself an arrow and you have to make a trip line. And so when the animal walks by and it trips the trip line, the bow releases the arrow and the arrow shoots the animal. I mean, that's pretty much the gist of it. So I built this trap And I put my bow targets on the other side, like, you know, it was going to be where the animal was. And I tied a string to the trip line. And, you know, and it was probably like 10 feet long because I didn't want to be where the arrow was going to be. But I wanted to see how it worked, you know, to see if it shot good. I wanted to see how the bow worked good because if I just held on to the bow and pulled it back and let go, it worked great. You know, I mean, it was probably about a 30-pound bow, but at pretty much point blank, it would work just fine. You know what I mean? In a survival situation, it it would work just fine. And so, you know, I sat back and I pulled on the string and nothing happened. And I'm like, what the crap? So I go back over to the trap and I'm sitting there checking stuff out and, you know, I ended up fine-tuning my trigger mechanism, making it to where it was a hair trigger. So, you know, from the experience of building it, you know, the bow was pretty much cut and dry. But it was doing all the fine little mechanisms, you know, the trigger that releases the arrow. I had to, I had to, to figure out how to make that into a hair trigger. So that when something hit that line, you don't want to have to take a sledgehammer and pound that sucker. You know, if it's a survival situation and I'm hungry, I need to be able, you know, if it's a small deer, I need to be able, it it needs to be able to be set off. Does that make sense? And so 
I, I figured out how to do it. And when it comes to that bow trap, I've played with it enough times that I kind of feel like I own that skill. You know, I can build that. Um, but there's other traps that I've been messing with that I, I don't own yet. You know, I'll make little, little tiny um, foot snares for like catching rabbits and, you know, just, just little stuff like that. But I've tried to make it for big animals just, just to see if I could do it. You know, let's take, let's take the, the, the mindset from the little animals and see if we can convert it to the big animals. In a survival situation, if the only thing running around is deer, well, heck, if I can catch one of them in, in, a, in this type of a trap, good for me. You know what I mean? Now, I've never done it, but I, <sighs> I, I like to know that I own the skills so that if I ever have to do it, I know I can do it. But I haven't mastered that skill yet. To build the bigger ones, it's a lot harder than you think. The little ones are a piece of cake. I mean, you find yourself a nice willow branch, something like that, buddy, you're, you're golden. You know, even even a nice pine bough that you strip all the pine off, you just a nice green stick. Works great for little stuff. But I've, I've tried to bend a, a pine tree down, you know, and I thought that this pine tree would just, I, you know, I, I got the top of it and it was like 15 foot tall. And I threw my rope up around the top and, you know, got a, got a grip on it and started pulling it down. And I had my rope pulled around another tree. So, you know, I was, I would pull and then lock it off and gather up more rope and pull. And I got it bent over to where it was almost almost a quarter of the way bent over and the tree snapped in half. And I was like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. And so I went and found another tree and tried it again, you know, and they just kept snapping. And so I haven't figured that out yet. I need, I need to play with it more. You know, I, maybe it's just the, you know, that the Doug furs or it could just be the wrong, the wrong wood. You know, but that's what was in that area. So it's one of those things to where it's, you got to use what you have. Does that make sense? If you can't use what's in your surroundings to build what you need to do to survive, you don't own that skill. And the only way you, you own that skill is by doing it over and over and over again. And I honestly believe that if I own the skill today and I quit using that skill, you lose it. You might still have the jits of it in your head, but you lose it. So get out there. Practice. Practice on everything. I love to read books myself. I love to read about this kind of stuff. It, it entertains me. I, you know, I don't think there's anything better than, than on, a, on a cold, dark night when you're trapped in the city at home and you have nothing else to do. Grab yourself a bushcraft survival book or, or something like that and start reading about things. Get your mind moving 
and then sit down and figure out how to do it, if that makes sense. I took my daughters. Oh, oh, it's been, I took my two older daughters. I actually had my three daughters, but um, my, my youngest daughter, she was little. I think she was like maybe three years old, but my wife was gone, you know, and I, I had the kids. And, uh, so I decided I, it was a Saturday and it was a nice day and I did not want to sit at home. So I threw all my girls in the truck and we go up to the mountains, you know, and I grabbed a couple big, um, survival knives, bushcrafting knives and, uh, got some ferro rods and went up to just a place in the Canyon pulled over. There was just a decent little spot. And I was like, girls, we're going to build fires with ferro rods and we're not leaving until both of you do it. And my oldest daughter started freaking out. She's like, dad, I got a birthday party tonight. You know? And I was just like, well, hurry up and build a fire. So I, I showed them how to do it. You know, I says, this is what you do, you know? And I, I, I walked them through all the skills and then I was like, all right. And so my oldest daughter, man, she had, she lit her tinder on fire within like five, five, 10 minutes. But then she had nothing to put on it. And I'm like, okay, well, you got that fire going, but it only lasted for 30 seconds. So now what? You know, and so I was just like, you didn't gather up your wood. You know, we, we need a fire, you know, and I also, I had, I brought lunch, you know, I think we were going to do hot dogs and a can of chili in the fire or something like that. So I needed a fire. And so I was like, let's go gather up firewood. So I take my daughters and we go up and, uh, there's some down trees and stuff, some little stuff that, you know, that's probably three, four inches in diameter. And, uh, my daughters, she's like, dad, that's too big. And I says, no, this is perfect. And so I'd pick it up and I says, but we need to break it down. And so I, I, I found two trees that were close together and I shoved the, the, the piece of wood in there. And then I used those two trees as a pry bar and I started breaking off chunks, you know? So then I was getting like 16 inch logs and I'm like, check this out. I didn't have to get the ax out. I didn't have to get the saw, nothing. I'm using itself to break itself pretty much. And so my daughter started doing this and they're just like, that's pretty cool. And then I showed them, I'm like, look, you can get a stick and you can whack it on a tree you know, and the end of it will fly off. And I'm like, you can break the smaller stuff this way. Instead of trying to break it on your knee and that kind of stuff, you just whack it good and hard. The end flies off and, you know, there's your piece of wood. So my daughters end up building the fire. And I mean, my second to oldest daughter, she struggled. She struggled. And I think that little girl went home with bloody knuckles and bloody thumbs and blisters and everything. But she was so determined that she was going to do it that she never gave up. And that is like one of the best qualities I think that you can have. Just that mindset that says, no matter what, I'm not going to give up. And so it's, it's owning the skill. Hey, guys. This has been Jeremiah Richards on Mountain Man Survival. I sure appreciate you guys getting together and listening to what I have to say. I would 
honestly love to hear your comments. So please shoot me an email at mountainmansurvival32 at gmail.com. And I promise you, I will read all your emails that you send. I would love to hear what you guys have to say. And I'd like to hear about your experiences and the stuff that you've done. Till next time, Jeremiah Richards, Mountain Man Survival. So if y'all don't mind me just trying something, this might be a train wreck. So, all right.
Where they 